0: Hello and thank you for listening to the fourth season of the iStart PIA Relay podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. iStart is a professional society and part of the Alzheimer's Association, representing scientists, physicians and other dementia professionals active in researching and understanding the causes and potential treatments of Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. In this five-part series, we've asked members of the iStart professional interest areas to take turns at interviewing their colleagues and being interviewed themselves, with the interviewee going on to be the next episode's interviewer. But I'm sure you've listened to these before, so you'll know what to expect. We'll be releasing one of these podcasts each day in the build-up to the Alzheimer's Association International Conference, which this year takes place online and in Amsterdam. So sit back, turn up the volume, and be ready to hear about these individuals, amazing research fields, the work of the peers, and just what you can expect at this year's conference. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm Maura Malpetti, I am a Race Against Dementia at Pharma Research UK Fellow and I work at the University of Cambridge. I'm the Program Chair of the Frontotemporal and Related Disorders, PIA, and today I'm delighted to be talking with Beth Eyre. Hi Beth. Hi Maura, how are you? Fine, very excited to be here and interviewing you. Um, So, can I start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us uh, which peer you are involved with? As you said,
2: I'm Beth um, and I'm actually um, kind of associated with the Vascular Cognitive Disorders peer. Um, So, I'm a researcher at the University of Sheffield. Um, I'm kind of between things at the moment because I have just submitted my PhD thesis. Oh, Um, (laughs) congratulations! Thank you! Um, And I'm waiting to defend. Um, but I have started a postdoc position, um, so I'm kind of staying in the same sort of area, um, but learning some new methods and kind of still staying in that vascular, um, the vascular contributions to dementia sort of region, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, so I kind of came across uh, the vascular peer a bit over a year ago now, I think. Um, I've done a couple of things with the Alzheimer's Association um, and I start. So they have a conference called Neuroscience Next. I kind of got involved with that. I went on their committee um, and that was super exciting and um, lots of opportunities for early career researchers there. And then I was also super lucky to be selected as an iStart ambassador last year. So that gave me a real good insight into all the different peers. And um, I got to go to the peer day and kind of be a volunteer there, which was great. And when I came, I went to some of the vascular sessions. Um, and I thought, oh, this is this is really exciting stuff, and really interested in this area. Um, obviously, I've been researching it for a little bit, but I'm definitely no expert yet. Um, so I think it's really cool that you can kind of join even when you don't feel like you're an expert and you can kind of have opportunities to um, kind of get involved. Um, and then this year I was selected as onto the Executive Committee as the student uh, postdoc representative. So that's kind of why I'm here chatting to you.
1: Oh, that's excellent. And maybe before going into a bit more into your research and what your PR is doing, maybe you can just mention for who is listening, how people can apply for this ambassador scheme? Um, because I, I think it's a very interesting one and maybe people are not aware of that.
2: Yeah, so the ambassador scheme, I think it started a couple of years ago, um, but over the past years, it's really kind of developed into this whole year-long programme. Um, and... And to apply, I think the application's usually open, just, I don't know about the dates, but it's usually February time, I think. Um, and they open and on the questions, it might ask you kind of um, why you want to be an ambassador, what you think you can bring to the role. Um, it might want to give some examples of kind of things you've done. Um, but they really just want people to kind of show their enthusiasm for i start, um and kind of their research area. Um it's not about like how many papers you've got or all the science, it is, it's about you and kind of what you can bring to the role, which I think is is really nice because a lot of the things, sometimes in academia, are all about what's your age index, but this is actually about like you and you get to be you, which is fantastic. Um, and then kind of as part of the programme, you get to go to the main outside association conference, the AIC, um, and yearly conference, annual, annual conference. Um, And you get to kind of wear your purple shirt and kind of be in the face of the role and um, help out in sessions, um, meet people from all around the world. So you get to meet um, other ambassadors from around the world, which is super exciting. Um, I met some people last year and we've all stayed in contact. Um, I've visited some of them in their countries, um, which has been great. Um, And then kind of throughout the year, there's also other opportunities for you to um, kind of do all the conferences and just network with people who are either at your level or above and it kind of just I think it opens the doors to kind of give you the confidence to apply for certain things um because I don't think I'd have applied for the um the executive committee role and um, if I'd not kind of been exposed I guess to like the association to start. so I think it's a great kind of like stepping stone.
1: Oh, this sounds like an excellent community. So, all students out there, postdocs, uh, please look uh, uh, at the iStart website to hear more about this. Um, excellent. Thank you. Um, so, perhaps we can start a bit more, like going back to the research, and you can tell us a bit more what is about your own research and how it came about that you became a redimension researcher. Yeah,
2: thank you. So, um, I started my PhD back in. 2019. So a couple of years ago now, um, it feels like a very long time ago. Um, a lot has happened since then. Um, and my project is kind of looking at um, blood flow changes in Alzheimer's disease. Um, and I'm quite interested in how blood flow may change in Alzheimer's disease. Um, and I'm specifically interested in how specific proteins that build up in the brain in Alzheimer's, such as amyloid beta, how that can impact sort of brain blood flow. Um, And a kind of another avenue of my work has been looking at comorbidities. So when people have more than one um, kind of illness or disease at the same time. And so I've been quite interested in heart disease and how that can impact the vasculature, like brain, blood vessels, and blood flow, and also kind of how Alzheimer's and atherosclerosis, heart disease can interact. And so that's been really exciting to kind of research. Um, And I kind of came to dementia research because um, i've always been quite interested in the brain um and i think as most people probably do know or know of someone who has been impacted by a brain disease that can lead to dementia um and i think there's just so much more research that is needed in the area um we still don't have any treatments that can like stop or or like stop the progression or just halt the disease like in its tracks like obviously we've had some exciting stuff this year with some potential new treatments obviously we still need a lot more um research into those and are they going to be available for people are they going to be expensive and things like that so i'm kind of in an area where we're looking to see if increasing blood flow can potentially aid um clearance of the proteins which uh, which can lead to um the symptoms of um, dementia so i think it's a really exciting interesting area to be in and hopefully because it's quite a big area at the moment, which is really exciting. There seems to be lots of things going on, lots of new kind of research, um, research outgoings and things. So hopefully um, in the near future, uh, we'll have some more treatments available for people. Um, Because obviously
1: at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be that yet. But I think everyone's quite hopeful. Oh, excellent, super interesting area. Um, So like, could I ask you if there are some people in the audience who are more curious about uh, this topic? how uh, can we improve our blood blood flow for example there are some aspects that people could take care of their lifestyle that you would suggest for example i think is a big factor maybe in
2: yeah so i think i don't know when the paper came out but it was something like was it, i think it was in the lancet and it was like 40% of dementia can be um preventable and a lot of these factors that were preventable were like lifestyle factors so like healthy diet um, exercising, keeping a low, lower blood pressure, um, limiting your drinking, um, having hearing checks was actually found to be really important because there's links between um, lack of um, between like limited hearing and um, resulting in later dementia. Um, sleep was a massive one. Um, I love to sleep, so I find sleep interest, uh, sleep research super interesting um so yeah that was another big one air pollution and things like that so um and I think a lot of the charities as well are really starting to um talk about those things and kind of just inform people because a lot of people aren't aware and how you can't you can't be aware if you're not told right if we're not getting the science and kind of promoting that kind of promoting the research that we all do it's it's really important that we do communicate that to people because it is really important and you can't make a change unless you know
1: right yeah absolutely and related to that i know that you are like i don't know if this is the right term but you are a good influencer in that term so you are involved with a lot of public uh, engagement um like how this uh, work uh, also related to the pr are you active in the communication part of your pr or is more like uh, something that you do has hobby and uh, like uh, raising awareness about dementia
2: Yeah, so I don't. Um, in the peer, I'm not actually the communications person, um, but that would probably be something I'd be looking at into the future because you can, you don't just have to do one position, I'll talk about that a bit more into the podcast. Um, you can do multiple positions, which is really good. Um, but I do, they have the vascular cognitive disorders have a Twitter account, so I'm always retweeting from that. I'm always retweeting from iStart. Um, I know there's a couple of or um, iStart alumni who do a lot of tweeting and um, Instagram posts about iStart which is great because we want to kind of be attracting um, early career researchers in and there's a lot of early career researchers um, who have science accounts on Instagram who that is kind of for fun they, um, they do a lot of communication about um, their work and kind of what they're involved in which is great um, but yeah maybe maybe the
1: communications thing will be in a couple of years time <laughs> Well, we'll be here to see your next uh, steps. And uh, like, so like, what do you think, going back to research, what do you think are the hot topic, like, you know, the exciting areas of your field at the moment and how you think uh, also the European uh, can contribute to this hot topic or also developing, you know, um, the field?
2: I guess who you're asking for the hot topics kind of just depends what they're interested in. And um, so these are kind of what I'm interested in. Um, but I know the peer as a whole are interested in them because we do have things going on which kind of relate to them. Um, So for me, the first thing is comorbidities. Um, As I mentioned, it is kind of part of my own research area. Um, But I think, especially when we're thinking about the models of Alzheimer's research or or the brain diseases that cause dementia, a lot of the the preclinical, really early research was kind of done in these really pure models. Um, So it was like, just genetic Alzheimer's disease um, and things like that but when you think of Alzheimer's in life it I like to say it doesn't really happen in a vacuum Um, people usually don't just have have Alzheimer's they have um, maybe high blood pressure or heart disease or um, other comorbidities Um, and lots of the comorbidities that people do have are related to the vasculature and so with the vascular peer, I think it's super important that we are kind of looking um, at those comorbidities and and kind of in our research, when we're doing the research, is maybe including those comorbidities because, I mean, I'm from a psychology background and a lot of the studies are very specific, like, subject groups. Um, and, and I think it's really important that we're kind of, like, opening that out, I guess, um, to make sure that we are kind of including all these comorbidities because that's going to... Be more relatable and translatable to when we hopefully find treatments, right? Um, so that's the comorbidities aspect, um, and kind of what the peer is doing with that is we have a number of working groups, um, and our working groups have we kind of work to make papers, sort of thing. So we get um, anyone can kind of join the working group who's part of the peer. So you can be early career, and um, you can can be, can be more senior. Um, And it's a really good way to kind of get people with different expertise, um, different career stages together, um, kind of working on one document where there's a gap in the research. And so I'm currently in one uh, with a number of people from up here. And it's about like models and mechanisms um, of like vascular cognitive disorders. And we talk about um, like brain vasculature, all the way to omics methods, to comorbidities um, and kind of we're always thinking about how we can translate all of our different models. So it's kind of a work group to bring together, learning about all the models, kind of what we know from all these models and how we can then try and translate things. And so that's a really cool working group that's on at the moment. Um, And in that I kind of mentioned about omics. Um, I am not an omics researcher, I must say, and um, I've just kind of getting interested in it, but I will definitely leave that to the experts. It's very complicated, but another hot topic in our area is the methods we can use to research the vasculature. Um, so there's like transcriptomics, things like that, like genomics and lots of studies this year have kind of come out looking at, I think it's like, it's like RNA sequencing of specific cells of the vasculature. Um, cause the vasculature is super complex. Um, lots of different cell types and in order for us to kind of treat disorders of, of the vessels we need to understand the vessels Um so I think those sort of research methods are really exciting um, and they can just kind of given us a molecular understanding of the vessels can hopefully give us ideas of where to target treatments and things like that um, and then also my final um, kind of hot topic for me and definitely the peer because this is, again another working group is kind of clearance mechanisms of the brain um, so in Alzheimer's disease we do think that um, the clearance of the proteins that build up is impacted so we kind of get more proteins um accumulating in the brain and we also have issues with getting rid of those proteins um, and so a lot of research areas are kind of looking at how can we get rid of these proteins? How can we wash away these proteins from the brain? And by washing away these proteins, can we, um, can we increase cognitive scores? Can we reduce the amyloid plaque? Um, will it protect our vasculature? Um, so I think that's another really interesting area. Um, it's also very interesting because nobody's decided which clearance pathway is the right one. in loads of like... Debate about it, which I find really interesting. Um, but we have another working group, um, which is all about clearance pathways, um, and they are working on a manuscript at the moment. And I think they, if I'm correct, I think they're wanting to submit very soon. So uh-huh. very exciting. Yeah, we do have manuscripts coming out quite a lot. I know we've just had one accepted for publication um, about a clinical trial and hypertension, I think I'm correct
1: on saying.
2: So, yeah very exciting peer loads of working groups to join whatever your interests are you can join more than one if you want you don't get off to join any and um, you can kind of just see what comes out of them and maybe decide to join things in the future and um, I think that's what's really nice about the peer is it's definitely there's a lot going on in it I think I would say I was really surprised when I joined and how many options there were for me to kind of get involved which was nice
1: yeah, like it sounds like a very interesting PR and very active PR with a lot of working group, a lot of interest. So like uh, maybe you can mention a bit more how is, is the structure of this PR if there is a committee because like uh, you mentioned this working group but there is a committee that uh, overlook the working groups, there are leaders in the working groups, how is it structured?
2: Yeah, so we I think as most peers have uh, there's like an executive committee to kind of oversee the peer as a whole and all the operations and on that executive committee you kind of have a chair, a vice chair, um, and then a programs chair. I think you said you were programs chair. Um, There's a communications chair who do all the kind of like talking about it on like social media and kind of just talking to everyone about what what's going on in the peer. Um, and then you have like executive committee members at different career stages. Then you have the student and postdoc trainee members, um, one of those that I am. And then what I think is really good about the organisation of the peers is that you also have the past chairs as part of the executive committee. So it's kind of a really good way to kind of make sure the rollover happens quite well so people kind of know what's going on. Um, and then with these working groups, I think how they run is they kind of get an idea of they think this is a new hot topic. Let's look into that. And then people volunteer to be on that, on that uh, working group. And then within that, people decide to take up another role on that. So there might be someone who does the minute, um, there might be a, a leader of that. And the leaders of these working groups can be early career researchers. Um, I know, I think it was last year it was published, but there was like an early careers perspective from our vascular cognitive disorders peer all about um, kind of like the early career perspective on vascular cognitive disorders. And that was led by an early career researcher. Um, so it's great, not only for um, more, for, for people who've been around in the field for longer, but it's great for, for like incoming people who want to develop their networks and see how it works working with people from all around the world on a on a paper, because um, that's really exciting. It's something you probably wouldn't get to do if you weren't part of a peer.
1: That's a very good opportunity for all early career uh, researchers out there interested in this topic, Uh, very excellent. And like, so it seems that you have been quite productive as a PR in the last year with all these working group papers coming out as well. Uh, What are the main plans for next year, if you can reveal some of them?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so like I say, I'm quite new, so I only started joining the executive committee meetings um, back in May. So I've kind of got like a bit of an insight into kind of what happened the past year and kind of some of the ideas for the future. But I think the main thing is just to kind of keep, keep the, the momentum going because they seem like the group has great momentum. Like you said, it's super active. We've got loads of different working groups. Um, and I think the hope is that the, the models and mechanisms working group that we can um, start writing our, our paper um, and hopefully get that out maybe next year, I think we said. Um, And then, yeah, and maybe keep applying for, when it comes down to AIC, applying for um, like focus sessions and things like that. Um, We constantly put on webinars. Um, I think even just this year, just as an example of a couple, we had um, webinars about um, about white matter hyperintensities, kind of what causes them. Um, And then we had sessions like a, a deeper dive into those. We also have sessions about clearance and kind of how clearance pathways are in the brain. And um, so there's constantly things going on throughout the year. So I think the hope is that we continue to do webinars um, and make sure that they're like everyone can get on, get those, especially through iStart, um, and um, just continue to kind of work on those working groups um, and get our um, peer out there at the, the annual conference.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that webinars, so where people can sign up for these, and, uh, you know, like, uh, if there are recordings, uh, um, I think there is a pre-established uh, uh, method for all peers, but maybe you can tell us a bit more.
2: Yeah, so with the webinars, so you usually get, if you join the peer, you can join the peer, go on to the iStar website, which has uh, been newly renovated, lovely. Um, so if you go onto the website, you can get access to all the peers, but obviously you want to go all the way to the bottom. To the Vascular Cognitive Disorders Peer and join Alex um, and then through that once you've joined those you'll start to get um, information from the peer about um, maybe webinars that are happening or even the the weekly newsletters you get from I start will have information about grants, webinars that are happening um, and you can click on those you can register for them and then you'll be sent the the links and they're all free Um, you might they're also kind of shown on on Twitter so when they're happening and you can again register for them using the links on Twitter um, and I'm pretty sure that the, the videos for those stay up and you can access those after the, um, after the webinar so we do have like educational ones and we also have ones like journals um, so I think that's um, it's a great tool I think for anyone who's either new to the area
1: or just kind of wants to solidify the knowledge a bit more. Yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic resource that is online and open to everyone. And also now the membership for students is free. So, I mean, it's excellent. Um, But you mentioned the hot word of AIC, uh, Mm -hmm. which stands for Thermal Association International Conference. So, are you going to the conference? Are you presenting? Your PI is organizing something? Yeah, so excitingly the
2: PI has a lot going on at the conference this year. Well, very sadly, I can't go. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so because my, um, my vibe is very soon after, so I'm defending the PhD. So it's a very good reason for me not going, but it's a massive shame because I loved the conference last year. It was a great way to meet lots of different people and kind of really diversify my network, um, which is, is great for all researchers, but especially early career researchers. I think it's really important. But yeah, so the PhD has quite a lot going on. So they have an I start immersive session um, uh, titled "Evaluating the Human Vasculature for Vascular Cognitive of Imp- Imp- Dementia." So that's on Friday. It's like a whole session on the 14th of um, of July. So it's before the main conference. So yeah, if you're interested in the vasculature and vascular cognitive disorders, I think that's a really exciting one for you to go to. Um, They also have the peer day. Um, I mentioned that I think it's the day before the conference starts, so the whole day just for the the professional interest areas, and you get to see kind of what's going on in the peers um, and um, meet meet people from the peers who you you might have been working with for the whole year and not met them in person, Um, or just from other peers too, because everyone's kind of in the same area. Um, so that's always on the Saturday before, so they've got a session of that, so you'll be able to see some of the work. And I think it's a panel discussion, um, so that's going to be exciting. Um, they were also, the PO, were successful in getting a focused research session. And I'm pretty sure this is at the actual day, at the actual conference, main conference. And this, I think, is about the incidence, pathogenesis, and clinical implications of amyloid-related imaging abnormalities, so ARIA. Um, and then there was also a successful perspective session Um, and this is about closing the um, the sex gender gap in dementia and then honing in on the um the vasculature really focusing on that so there's um some really exciting things going on at the conference um very sad that i won't be able to attend um but i'll be able to kind of catch up because um if you're a iso member i think you can get access to quite a lot of things online um, mm-hmm. So even if people aren't able to go, um, they should be able to have access to some of these things, which is very exciting for everyone.
1: Well, it's very sad that you will not be there, but we look forward to seeing you next year as a doctor. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, good luck with the Viva. Um, so, like, uh, I I guess a lot of people that are listening this, uh, to this podcast, uh, maybe they are considering to join the PIA and other PIAs, and maybe they are interested in this field. maybe you could mention like give an example especially for people that are not involved in this field of like your daily um, daily work uh, and daily job how your day as a dementia researcher in this field looks like
2: so kind of how what I do on a daily basis and how that yeah. maybe relates to the peer. Mm-hmm. yeah so um, I'm like a early like I say I, I do lots of research in um, like um, Alzheimer's disease and looking at kind of clearance and blood flow so how my research kind of relates to the peer is that I'm quite directly related to it I would say and um, obviously I'm quite interested in the vasculature and things like that but when I first started I definitely didn't really have much of an understanding I was very new to the area and I think actually start joining the peer early would have been really good for me Um because I would have been able to like look at the webinars and get the educational videos and kind of How that relates to my work, and I think also by starting your network early, you can maybe think about future careers and things like that. And by joining the peer, you like I said, because there's on the committee or just within the whole peer, there's it's bringing together really similar focused people who everyone's kind of got some interest. You don't have to be an expert, you just might be interested in the vascular chair, or you might be part of another another peer or another research area but you might be thinking oh I think the vascular could could be an interesting topic to maybe kind of um, go into and I think by joining the peer you can kind of see some of the main work that goes on and you might be able to create your own collaborations from it and I know there's definitely people within our peer who have who have started collaborations Um the networking is great for early career researchers um, and like I say you get the opportunity to work if you want to, on a committee with people who are maybe professors and um, they might head up to school or something like that. And you wouldn't really have that opportunity without the peer, I would say. I, I don't think there's another kind of society or sort of um, group where you can do that and um, working on such close levels and kind of you're getting as much out of it as other people are. And I think that's what's really exciting. Um, and, yeah, just massive opportunities for career development um, especially with those working groups, um, if you if you have the time, obviously I know everyone's time is quite limited, but if you do have the time, you can really take a massive role in those working groups, and if you're getting a paper out of it, that's really exciting. But it's not just a paper; it's getting that network out of it and kind of working with working globally as well. I think that is the point of ISO, and that's the point of the peers, right? You, we want to bring together people who are interested in the vasculature, whatever your interest is. Um, maybe you might be a preclinical researcher, maybe you work in models of Alzheimer's disease, maybe you work in clinical trials. Like the point is that we're wanting to, or maybe you want to do all these things, right? By getting everyone together with the vascular cognitive disorder peer, it kind of allows that opportunity to, to kind of happen. And I think that's what's really exciting
1: about um, the vascular peer.
2: And I was told to say it's the best peer, but
1: it is the best peer. <laughs> Well, on that we can debate. Uh, no, I think you already answered actually my next quest- question, like why some of the listeners should join the PIA, and you gave an excellent example of how this can be a very productive uh, part of your life uh, in terms of networking, building career, et cetera. Um, but maybe also you could mention, like you mentioned all these working groups and there is a lot of interest in div- different fields. Uh, are you considering to collaborate in the future with all their peers? For example, I'm the program's chair of the frontotemporal dementia and related disorders. And I think uh, like all is the vascular aspect is overlooked in other conditions that is not Alzheimer's or vascular dementia, of course. Um, so what can we do as p- different peers to work together on this field? Uh, that's a
2: really good question. I think like, I'm not sure if peer has um, kind of collaborated with other people previously. With other peers previously, I think they may have. Um, but yeah, you're right. The only way we kind of can figure new things out is is by working with people who aren't in your research area. And I think the way that other groups could like groups could work together is just bringing the different expertise. Like, for so you guys, you're like like imaging and things like that. Or people in the vasculature may not know about specific imaging methods, and it's kind of using our understanding of the vasculature and how you can then, how can you image it and things like that. And um, I think that's really exciting, but if nobody wants to collaborate, we could chat about collaborating. Because <laughs> I think like, yeah, I think our group is very collaborative and I think there's definitely scope to collaborate with many different um, many different peers, especially with imaging and the vasculature. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense, right? We, we wanna see kind of what's happening on those vessels. Um, it's just figuring out how like the specific methods that may be the best for that or the best for for the specific vessels you're looking at. Because obviously different vessels in the body might be harder to see. Like the surface vessels might be super easy to image, whereas some of those really small capillaries um, might be a bit harder to image. And it's kind of making sure that the different expertise from the different groups and the different peers kind of talk to each other and can help um, maybe do that, I guess.
1: And like maybe following on that, if someone is listening and would like to look at data out there, like of course now there are also everyone everyone is interested in big data. There are some networks that you'd suggest them to look at, like some like also beyond the PR, like some big studies that people can access, apply for data and collaborations.
2: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't actually know any, ma- like, major big ones off the top of my head. Um, but I do know that there's definitely, I know a lot of people who do the um, sort of big data uh, research, they do put it into, like, open repositories. Um, so, like, maybe going on, like, open science framework, they might have some information on, on things like that. Um, because, yeah, the point of doing the big data is you kind of want people to use the data. Um, I know of, like, the Brain Biobank and things like that. And um, they don't just collect information about the brain. They have lots of other different things that are collected and people are able to like correlate that. They have imaging, I think they have imaging um, and there's like, there's a lot for imaging. And I think maybe I'm pretty sure there are some sort the of vasculature and like I say, I'm not sure if it's off the top of my head, but within the big ones are probably, they probably have information on the vasculature. They might do like heart scans. Cause I know cause I'm interested in like heart disease and atherosclerosis. I know a lot of, a lot of these different big data sort of, um, big data things, tell me the words for them, um, they do maybe scans of like the heart. So you can look at kind of like plaque load and things like that. And you're able to like correlate that with like blood pressure or like do people take hypertensive medication and things like that. So there's these massive data sets, there's a lot that can be done with them. Um, and I think we're only just kind of looking at the tip of the iceberg with them. So there's
1: definitely loads more we can do with them, which is really exciting. Um, I think as an early career researcher, it makes it a more of an exciting field. And there could be another collaboration with one of the interviewees uh, of this series, Imre uh, from the Artificial Intelligence PIA. So there is a lot of cross matching between peers. Well, excellent. I think we are reaching the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, thank you so much to Beth for taking the time to join us today. And good luck for your viva. You will be brilliant, uh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you can find profiles on myself and my brilliant guests and information on how to become involved in I Start on our website at DementiaResearch.nihr.ac.uk and also at I Start. There is a link in the show notes here. And I'm Maura and you have been listening to the RELI uh, podcast from, the, from Dementia Researcher and the Alzheimer's Association will be back tomorrow so hit subscribe on the YouTube or your favourite podcast app to ensure you don't miss any of the episodes Thank you so much Beth Thank you everyone
2: Brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk In association with Alzheimer's Research UK Alzheimer's Society Race Against Dementia and the Alzheimer's Association, bringing you research,
0: news, career tips and support.